Would you like to attract more Hispanic, Latino, or Latinx clients to your real estate business? Today, we're going to show you how. Stay tuned. This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? Are you spending money on leads that aren't converting? Well, Real Geeks is your solution. Find out why agents across the country choose Real Geeks as their technology partner. Real Geeks was created by an agent for agents. They pride themselves on delivering a sales and marketing solution so that you can easily generate more business. Their agent websites are fast and built for lead conversion with a smooth search experience for your visitors. Real Geeks also includes an easy-to-use agent CRM, so once a lead signs up on your website, you can track their interest and have great follow-up conversations. Real Geeks is loaded with a ton of marketing tools to nurture your leads and increase brand awareness. Visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod and find out why realtors come to Real Geeks to generate more business. Again, visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod. And now, on to our show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I'm your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with top producer Marisol Jacino. Before we get to Marisol, just a few reminders, please. The best way you can always help our show, two ways, tell a friend. Think of one other realtor that needs to hear what Marisol is about to show you and tell you, which is how to increase the number of Hispanic clients that you have. Um, and let them know that this podcast exists. Send them a link to our website, keepingitrealpod.com. Every episode we've done can be streamed right from a browser. You don't even need a podcast app. And then the second thing is please support our sponsors. We love our sponsors. They're the reason we can pay our bills, pay our, our team. And just with our team alone, we're doing like an extra 100 episodes a year just because of our sponsors. So please, please, please check out our sponsors. Don't fast forward through. We keep the, the promos short. And trust me, they're great products and services that you can use in your business. Okay, guys, you've heard enough from me. Let's get to the main event, my conversation with Marisol Jacino. Okay, today's Marisol Jacino from Coldwell Banker. She services Central Florida. Uh, let me tell you more about Marisol. Now, Marisol is Latina. She is a single mom. She is a domestic violence survivor and a realtor for the last 19 years, actually 20 years. By 2010, she realized as much as she loved serving people, Marisol did not have proper sales training. So she went on to, to timeshares for its training and in January 2013, returned to real estate. Once back in real estate while facing life, continuous life's continuous challenges, which at times made it extremely difficult to work, Marisol realized that business kept on moving without doing much at the time. Her phone was ringing and transactions were closing. And that's when she realized she had learned to tap into a forgotten community within the industry, the Latino community, the largest growing minority in the United States. Marisol has been able to grow her agency and her confidence in ways she never thought possible. She is a top realtor in Florida. 
learn more about Marisol by visiting her website, which is G12, so the letter G12, professionalgroup.com, g12professionalgroup.com. By the way, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. You don't have to type it in. And please, please, please follow her on Instagram. That's M-Jusino, J-U-S-T-I-N-O, sorry, J-U-S-I-N-O, M-J-U-S-I-N-O, the number one at Instagram. Again, link to that as well in the show notes. So when I make a mistake, you don't have to worry because you just click on it in the show notes. Marisol, we are excited (laughs) to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I am excited to be here. I am so excited to talk with you and talk about how you have grown your business and what our audience can gather from from you. And it and it is a holiday weekend while we're recording this, so uh, we are going to try to make this as light and breezy as possible, so that if anyone is watching us as we record it live, they can enjoy uh, right into the holiday weekend. Um, Marisol, um, love to learn more about how you got into real estate. Tell me, tell me the the, the process there. How and why? Well, the the why was that I needed I needed to do something. Um, I was in a domestic violence situation, and I knew I needed to get out of there. Uh, I didn't know how. And as crazy as it sounds, years before I used to live in Ohio, uh, I had a friend, and she said, you know, she took me to a meeting with her friend. And her friend was a broker and her friend said, well, let's just recruit her. And my friend says, well, no, she has little kids. You have no idea what you do to her. But that stayed in my mind. Then just before I moved to Florida, you know, and I'm talking to a good friend. And at this point, I know that life is hard and I have no idea what the future held. And I say, but I don't even know what to do over there because back in Ohio, I used to work for NASA over there. And and I but I didn't want that nine to five and that street, you know, schedule. Plus, I was going to be living a bit of a distance from NASA. So she said, why don't you just become a realtor? And so I'm like, that's two voices. So I kept that in the back of my mind. So then when life began changing, I'm like, you know what? Let's do this. So I I called a friend, which was. The neighborhood, my neighborhood expert, she was a realtor. She lived two, house, two houses down from me. She said, you need to go for it. I've not always known you're supposed to be a realtor. I'm like, how everybody knows, but I don't know, you know. <laughs> so she counseled me. I went and I took the license, you know, the classes. The weekend before I took my estate exam, I did a 10-mile a race. And I broke my left, my leg. Oh, oh no. So I am like, I'm thinking this is it. And I said, okay, God, when I am in that test, if I don't pass, I'm done. But I guess I was supposed to be here. I did pass it. So that's kind of my story. Well, I always love the expression, and this is, I'm, I'm not... Uh promoting or, or denying any anyone's religious beliefs, but I always love the expression, whatever whatever anyone's spiritual beliefs are, that God never gives you more than you can handle yep. in a given moment, although it does get tested. Oh, <laughs> and, yes. uh, and, and breaking your leg a day before a somewhat <laughs> challenging exam is uh, not uh, not the easiest yeah. or most fun. The weekend before. Do. The weekend before. The weekend yeah. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, it, it, is, it is interesting too that there are people that seem to show up in our lives uh, again, whatever your anyone's belief is about 
the universe or higher power or whatever, um, there are things that happen where sometimes people just know things about you that you don't know. And if you just listen, um, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, a couple people are telling me to do this. Maybe I should do it. And and obviously it worked out really, really well for you. So tell us what it was like getting into really an industry that you didn't have experience in before. Um, Was that challenging? You know, how did you grow your business? It was, I mean, because first you don't know much, obviously, because we learned and everybody tells you when you take the real estate class, you know, you're just taught how to pass an exam, not to how to sell real estate. I did have a lot of support. You know, there's always good agents that try to help you and so forth. Uh, as crazy as it sounds, my very first listing, it was my son uh, and he was just seven, seven years old, seven, eight years old. And he goes to his, again, you know, everybody believes what they believe, but he goes to his Sunday school teacher and he says, by the way, do you happen to know anybody that- needs You to gotta be, them? hold on, I'm, I'm, no. I'm stopping the story because there's no way this story is true. When you yeah. first said, uh, I want to just back up in case anyone missed that. So Marisol said something that at first I thought I, I clearly heard this wrong and I'm not going to interrupt her. And then when she got out, I go, no, I heard it right. And I'm only pausing you because this is the cutest story I've ever heard. Yeah. So she, this, she said her first listing was from her son who is seven years old and he goes into school and go ahead. I'm so sorry. Yeah. She, she, he asked him, you know, do you happen to know anyone that needs to buy your cell at home? And he looks at him and he says, as a matter of fact, I do. I am thinking about selling. I said, well, you need to use my mom because she just got her license. And that was my first listing. That is, that is the That's most adorable. The, it's the, it's, yeah. I've done 500 episodes. That's the, without yeah. exception, the cutest and most adorable yeah. story that could ever be for someone's first listing. Cheers, yeah. cheers to your son. That is, yeah. that is really, uh, oh boy, that is, that's about, that's about having a, a good family team right there. So, yeah. oh my gosh, how cute is that? Well, um, what, a, what an adorable story and what a, what a great son. Uh, yeah. You, yeah. Uh, that's so cute. So, okay. So, um, aside from, from that, did everything sort of snow, like continue to grow from that? It, one it just began. It, it just, it was just happening. I mean, doing what the basic things that we do. Yes. You know, because the stuff does happen. Uh, but nevertheless, at the same time on my personal life, I was going through a divorce and all the craziness. So life was crazy. Life was crazy, but somehow things always worked out. I mean, don't ask me how things always did work out. Um, but by 20, 2010, that's when I was, because a lot of agents left the market in 2008, the market crash. And the funny thing is that they say, they usually say, if you last five years, you're going to stay on the market. And I'm like, well, you know what? I, even if I sell one listing a year, I'm staying, you know, it's like, I need to beat that mark. But honestly, by 2010, I was worn out and I had no idea what to do, overwhelmed in every sense. And that's when I left and went into timeshares because I needed training. I needed training. There is... There are so many people that left in that time because if for, for those of us that weren't in real estate at during that time, this of course is when the crash happened. Um, this was a lot of the 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 loans that that were done with 
You know, they yeah. were very generous with loans. Florida in yeah. particular was hit oh, yes. very hard because they had um, much easier uh, restrictions there. And so, and and like every third or fourth person in Florida had a real estate license at that time. Yeah. It was some crazy statistics. So everybody mm-hmm. had a license. People were making money hand over fist and they were just selling and reselling properties. Yes. And um, and then of course the collapse happened and it, it was devastating uh, for, for many, many people. So I love the fact that you at that point said, you know, I really could use more training. And, you know, the timeshare world, despite what anyone might think about that type of business, the, the salesmanship that is taught yeah. in those uh, in those those rooms for those companies is beyond impressive because it, yes. it works. Yes, it does. They're training. I, I, and when young people come to me and ask me, you know, what should I do? I'm thinking about joining real estate. And my advice is always, please do it. Get the license go sell time shares for a few months. Yeah, it's, then it's, if you yeah. go in, you'll be awesome. Well, and those are those are particularly tough because in and and I I know like my parents used to do this when um when they were younger when they maybe didn't have as much money, uh, but they would have an uh, you know somehow they would be on lists where they would get flown to like Las Vegas, um, and they and they would go for you know get free free room and maybe a free hotel or, or sorry free um, airline. I'm not sure, and you'd have to sit through a presentation. Um, but you know you, you know most of the people in that room are doing the same sort of thing. They don't really want to buy a timeshare, so it's a very difficult sale because you know if the person's ready to buy, it's great. But the vast majority of people just want the freebie, yeah. and so it does make mm-hmm. it a challenge. And there's a lot of objections to overcome, and yeah. you're asking for a lot of some one's money. Um, and it's, it's, it's a very, very difficult sale. So I think you're right. There's the sales training. There has got to be just amazing. It sure is. Yeah. Okay. So you were in timeshares, you, you got the sales training and then you decided eventually to return to uh, the traditional brokerage world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, after I left timeshares and I am like, because I had said to myself, I don't know if I can do this. Um, and I'm thinking, what do I do with my life? And I received a call from a former client and he says, listen, I don't know why your nurse are making this call, but I need to talk to you. And I'm like, well, you tell me. And he says, call me crazy, but you need to go back to real estate. He says, you were born for that. You need to go back. And I just smiled because at that point I was actually coming from meeting with a broker. (laughs) Uh, Just because I had also a friend that called from the Miami area. And she said, listen, I don't know if you're still in real estate, uh, but I want to buy a condo, you know, in the Orlando area. We have 400,000 cash. Can you help us? And I'm (laughs) like, heck yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes and yes. (laughs) So that that was my way back in. That was my way back in. And then at that point, it's just, you know, it was relearning because yes, I had learned the real the selling part, but now it's like learn relationship part of the business. How and plus the technicalities because there's so much technology that everything changes. Yeah, everything changes. So it was time to do that. But I was going through life. I still because unfortunately my case, you know, I. I was in an abusive relationship, as I mentioned. I divorced in 2005, but it wasn't until literally early last month that final, everything finally ended because there was oh. an injunction. 
So it, it's been really a drain. So it's just at sometimes you wonder, and that's but that's when I noticed it's like hold it. I mean, I'm still making it. Things are happening. Even in the worst days, there's always the the ball is still rolling. Yeah. And that's when I'm like, but what is it? And I began looking at my book of business and it's referrals of referrals of referrals. You know, yeah. I mean, two years ago, I closed my first buyer. I closed them all over again, you know. So it's like Amazing. that referral book. When you yeah. stay in touch with them and when you do what you're supposed to do, yeah, they stay, it they stay loyal. It, they do. And first, I, I also want to honor you for sharing um, about your, your you know, the challenges you've faced and the, you know, victimization that's happened, that happened to you and, and the fact that you were dealing with that, not only while it was happening, but for, for about 17 years or 18 yeah. years 18. after. 18 years. I mean, you know, that is a heavy, heavy bag to carry around yeah. and it is not an easy thing. So I honor you for carrying that bag for as, as long as you did. I know that's that can't possibly be easy. And also a good reminder, I think, to anyone out there that that knows of maybe somebody that's that's in a similar situation, that is currently in a similar situation, and maybe the people are afraid, the person's afraid to leave because maybe they don't think about how, they don't understand how they could support themselves if they were to leave a relationship. And maybe they think, well, it's better to be in even an abusive one than non-abusive one, because yeah. at least I, at least I can pay the bills in this abusive one, which of course, you know, is, is not, not a great place to be. Um, and, and to, to, you know, sometimes it's just a couple of people to say, Hey, I think you can do this. And yeah. so it, it's, it's a great, great reminder to encourage people who are trapped or who feel trapped in those, in those, uh, sadly, uh, abusive relationships to maybe see a pathway out. And so yes. I honor you for sharing that. We, I mean, we have thousands and thousands of listeners. I guarantee that that story is going to touch somebody um, and maybe even inspire somebody who might be in that situation or know someone in that situation to maybe see a different path. And so I, I honor you for for the courage to talk about that. Thank you. Well, thank you. Um, and, uh, and I also want to talk about the Hispanic market because I, I know that here in Chicago, which is where, where I'm located, we have a large Hispanic population and there is a tendency because we have about 800 agents here at our own company. So I just talk to a lot of agents um, and I'm always recruiting agents for our firm. So I'm always talking to agents. And whenever somebody brings up the Hispanic um, sort of a demographic for, for finding buyers and sellers, a lot of times what, what agents will say is, oh, well, I don't know that. I don't know that market. I don't know what those, uh, what, 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 what that group of people is looking for. I don't know how to communicate with them. I don't really know how to infiltrate or penetrate that market to really get in. Um, and so I would love any just information or advice you might have because you're right it is the largest minority uh, non or yeah minority group growing at the fastest rate in our country so it's important to certainly not ignore that group but learn yeah. maybe how to better communicate with that group and understand what 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 their needs and desires are so i'd love to hear more about that well in summary because there's so much that you can do but the the question the big question is and most people say, well, what do I do? Just like you express, it's like this. And everything that is unknown, we we kind of tend to stay away from it. But it's not that hard because to begin with, you know, 
about 70% of the Hispanic population speaks English. You know, so that's one thing, you know. Yes, will it help to speak Spanish? Well, of course, you know, of course it will. But if you don't speak Spanish, um, chances are your buyer or seller will speak English. Is There's a big chance. Uh, most of the buyers right now, the Hispanic buyers, are 30 and below. 30 years old and below, which means they have, they have been born and raised in this country. So they are, you know, they know the language. So that's the first thing. But that's about English. That's how talking about English or Spanish. But knowing the Hispanic or the Latino language, it really is more than is it English or Spanish. It's how do we communicate? What's going on in there? You know, it will help, of course, to know a little bit of maybe the basics, because you gain trust when you speak about the basics, you know, when you say a few words in Spanish, like most people will say, you know, well, I took Spanish when I was in high school. That's really, really sweet. But I have forgotten all about it. Uh, but what about if we add, but I hope that you can teach me how to, you know, that kind of, you, you can help me remember those little nuggets, you know, uh, that will help. That will really help. Um, and it's also the respect, you know, uh, because when you, when you are honest, because honesty will be the best policy. You have to be honest. If you are not, if, if they, if they, if we don't perceive that you're being honest, you'll be treated nicely, but that there's going to be a wall. And if it happens, and if so happens that you do a transaction with that person, that's the end of it. That's the beginning and the end. Yeah. Sometimes, as crazy as it sounds, it may be even better not to do the transaction, but keeping the relationship. Yeah. You Maybe know, even I've referring had, it referring it to an agent who who really is immersed into that uh that community. Mm -hmm. Because is is the it's the transparency and explain the processes from A to Z. What I usually tell my buyers and my sellers, what you see is what you get. You, I'm going to tell you the good, the bad, the pretty, and the ugly. You're going to know it all. And there's a lot of time spent on that orientation, whether it's the buyer's orientation or the listing presentation. A listing presentation with a Hispanic is not going to last you 20 minutes. I'm sorry to tell you that. You know, if... <laughs> It's usually not going to because they want to get to know you and we are not going to tell us our stuff until we know that you can be trusted. Ah, that's, that's really interesting. So I, I was, while you were talking about that, I was thinking, I know here in Chicago, uh, there are a tremendous number of Hispanic cultural uh, events. There are cultural, there are places where they, where Hispanic people gather, there's, you know, certain events and, and, you know, experiences that they tend to have. And if, and if I wanted to immerse myself in that culture to get more business, I would be going to a lot of those events. I'd be I'd be in the background for a while, learning about that culture, learning about how they communicate, what's important to them, and then eventually, you know, sort of working my way into opening, having them see me as a trusted uh, advisor. But you're right; it, it just it isn't going to happen overnight. It's not that. That's a good step to begin with to get. So that's personal knowledge. 
So you'll get that personal knowledge. You can go to events in which you're going to meet people one-on-one. Although I really believe, I mean, with so many Hispanics in the U.S. right now, everybody knows at least one. I mean, everybody does. It's like build that relationship because from that relationship, you're going to be selling to everybody. And when I mean everybody, is literally if they love you and trust you, you call them or you say, listen, I need help on this. They will. But again, you have to reimburse that. I mean, when they call you and they will call you for little things, you know, sometimes, you know, their computer broke as crazy as it sounds. You know, can you help me? Well, I have learned a lot of our computers by helping them, you know, because it is Hispanics value family and culture. Absolutely. And, and, and the, and family and culture are, yes, I, I would have, if you were to say what, what would my guess be about what I know about Hispanic uh, community, I would say family and culture as well. So that is, uh, that, that rings true with my experience. I am, I am, uh, I have a Hispanic name. Uh, I am not uh, really Hispanic myself. Um, My, my first name is Delphin uh, and, and my middle name is Joaquin. Uh, so I have, oh. I have a Spanish, uh, from Spain, a, a Spain, Spanish okay. name, but, yeah. but anyway, um, but, but, the, but the point is, is I, I was not, I didn't, was not raised in that culture. And, um, and, and so as a result, uh, I, I, w- I, but I, but I do know we have, gosh, probably a few hundred of our agents are Hispanic here at Kale. So, yeah. um, but yeah, you, you're right. It's, it's, it's about earning trust because I think what, what sometimes people forget about, people who come to this country or or who are in a minority group that are that are here is that they're oftentimes and I mean we should just be honest about it these are you know Hispanic people are often treated less than uh non-hispanics and and, yeah. and all other minorities get treated this way too and we have to remember especially if we're not a minority to remember that not everyone's treated the same and so some some groups are going to naturally be a little bit more defensive or, or that's going to take more time to earn their trust because of the way they're treated on a regular basis. And so, you know, this idea that, you know, I would, it would be a great if everyone was treated the same, yeah. sadly, it's not exactly the way it is yet. So, um, w- you know, earning that trust is, is, is not an automatic. No, it's, it's not, but the reality is, and that's just a little nugget. The reality is that most, which is really interesting. I was, as I, as I was looking at numbers, most Hispanics right now, I mean, they are they have been American born. So that means, yes, they're Hispanics. And when you get one, you get the family. Uh, but the culture is changing in the sense that there's more communication. You know, we're, we're beginning to see beyond, you know, you're this or you're that. Because most of them, the growth of the Hispanic population since 2010 is due to Hispanics being born in America, not other, not, not, not immigration, yeah. not immigration. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. It's amazing. And- and, and that opens up the that that a lot of times, like you were saying, sort of uh, resolves the the language barrier that could exist because the ones the second generation or the people that were born here obviously are speaking English. Uh, maybe maybe not it's, it might not be their first language, but they certainly uh, grew up in our our school systems and, and learned English yeah. as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but but, but I, I'm sorry. <laughs> No, what I was going to say, but you, it, it does help to learn to communicate because once you get to them, you're going to be going home. And mom and dad, chances are, they speak Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's it's never been an easy... 
Well, I don't, it's never easy to learn anyone else's language, but it's never been easier because we have these devices in our pocket that we carry around 24 <laughs> seven. Like there's Duolingo, there, there's a number of, of the, um, of the learn a language apps and you know, maybe you won't speak uh, perfectly with, within a year of studying, but you'll know enough to be able to at least show the community that you're putting effort into learning their culture, their language, yes. their traditions. And, and of course, Hispanic people have traditions. It's important to honor these traditions, to, to be part of them, to learn about them so that you can participate. Yes, and it, but it can be learned. I mean, it really, <laughs> and I say that because I moved into this country. I'm originally from Puerto Rico, and I moved in 89. And when I moved from Puerto Rico and I ended up in the Cleveland, Ohio area, I didn't know the language. <laughs> sure. I couldn't speak the language. And I understand the frustration when you're learning a second language. Uh, but if I, I tell people, if I did it, anybody can. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And th there couldn't have been, or, or I don't know Cleveland all that well, but there couldn't have been a large Puerto Rican community no. in Cleveland, right? That had to be very, very small. No, nowhere I was. And I didn't, obviously, I didn't know anybody. Uh, but the funny, this is just a funny story. The funny story is that I'm like, okay, I mean, I need to learn the language. So I turn on the TV because most people tell you, turn on the TV and that's how you learn. Well, guess what? When I turned that TV on, what came up was the Beverly Hillbillies. And now I'm laughing about it, but I cried. I cried because it was like, I'll never be able to. I, I'll never be able to. Yeah, it's it it, it, so, it is an interesting thing. If if anyone ever has not had that experience of watching a foreign film or or watching a tele a television show that was a shot in a, a, you know in a different language, um, it is incredibly difficult to yeah. try to understand what's going on if you don't know the language at all. But you can learn it over time, of course. But it is that's a hard way to do it for sure. Um, yes. So, so I would love to know about the ways in which you stay in touch with your sphere of influence uh, in between transactions, right? So while you're working with a client, I assume you're speaking with them all the time. You're constantly servicing them. Obviously, you're doing a great job. But what happens? So they buy or sell the home, it closes, and then like, you know, maybe they don't need you for the next seven years or so uh, until they're ready to make another transaction. What do you do to keep that relationship strong during those those times? Well, if it's the first, the first time I've done a transaction with that person, you know, I let them know throughout the process, listen, this is coming to a close, but I'm not going anywhere. You need me, you call me. Yeah, it doesn't matter what. I said, don't call me at two in the morning. <laughs> but if you do, it's okay, but my phone will be on silence. <laughs> uh, but just to set that standard, that this is what you can expect. And then every now and then it's more, more that the, the phone call than anything else. Because yes, you know, we're, we're taught to put everything in the CRM and send this and send that. And you know what? Most people will not look at it. It will end up in the spam folder or they will unsubscribe. It's especially with the Hispanic client and, and Funny enough, I am the same way. So this is how I realized how it was going on, because in my case, it's kind of the opposite. When I was getting into the American culture, 
So it, it was, that's when I realized, but hold it. This is how I felt. This is what I was going through. And there's a quote that says, show me how much you care. And then we can talk. And it's literally the same thing. It literally is the same thing. Is be there. Yes, you'll be yeah. invited to the birthdays. You'll be invited, you know, to everything. You know, something is going on. Sometimes to big decisions. Sometimes big decisions are being made. Uh, and you're called, you know, and listen, what do you think about this? You know, and, and it is an honor. It, is, it can be scary. It can be scary. But I always tell people, I will never tell anyone what to do. Uh, but what does your heart tell you? But you will be asked they, because they will see you as that contact of that person. And your phone will ring. There, there were times in my worst times in which it's like, okay, what's going to happen in here? Because I didn't have the mind to do anything and overwhelm and so forth. And the phone rings. And they, you talk and check it. I haven't heard from you in a while. So it's really funny because it works the opposite way. If it's been a while and you haven't made contact, you will be called because they want to know, why haven't you called? <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's really it's sweet. It's really I, sweet. I, I love that. And I, I want to make sure that the you made a very important point that, that I, I believe you made a very important point. I just want to underline it, uh, which was, you know, sending out email newsletters, which is very common. And I'm not here to tell you not to do that because I think, you know, there, there's a reason to do that. And I think there's a, there's a good reason to do that, but is that necessarily going to demonstrate to a client that you care about them? No, it's just going to demonstrate that they're on your email list and you're still in the business. Um, and then that's okay. If that's the intention, if the intention is like, oh, this is all I need to do to stay in contact with somebody to send them a newsletter. No, that's probably not going to demonstrate to anybody that you care about them. It's just going to demonstrate that you're still in business. So like you were saying, I love that you said, hey, the transaction's completed, but I'm not going anywhere. And in fact, when you need anything, anything related to your home or anything at all, uh, you reach out to me and I, if I can't do it, I'll get you to the right person that can. That's how you demonstrate care. And that's what people, that's what everybody really wants. We don't really want another email newsletter, but it's not, it's okay to do it. Just don't make that the only thing you do. And don't think that that demonstrates care. It doesn't. It just demonstrates that you're a decent marketer, but it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that, that you're helping anyone. And the, the best, that that is basically set set them up and forget him. You know that's that's the way I see it, and oh, that's the way. And, and that's the way everybody feels when they get those emails. You don't feel special for getting an no. email. In even fact, if it's a happy birthday. <laughs> even if it, especially if it's a happy birthday email yeah. that is automated, it's like yep. pick up the phone, call the person. They're probably not going to answer anyway. You'll get their voicemail and leave them a happy birthday message or sing them happy birthday or do something that yeah. actually demonstrates that you care. And uh, that goes a million miles further than even, look, a text is better than an email, but a phone call, it, we still all love to hear somebody who, now we don't always maybe like to talk on the phone, but we love it when people reach yeah. out and say, hey, I'm thinking about you. Happy birthday. Yep. That's correct. Yeah. It's it's so much about demonstrating care, isn't it, to, to the client? And that's, that's the bottom line, which is, it works, in reality, it works with any transaction. It really works with any client. Uh, but the, 
the other reality is that the with, with the Hispanic client is gonna if you're resilient, if you're really if you really want that client, you're going to have to work for it. It's not going to come easy. But once once you have established that relationship, it's yours. But but never take it for granted either. I wanted to ask you about the Hispanic uh, community, specifically about first-time homebuyers, because I see a huge opportunity to educate uh, certain uh, renters in the Hispanic community who maybe had never even pursued home ownership. Maybe they didn't know how how to do it or what was what the process was. Maybe they were. Uh, embarrassed to ask. I know that I was embarrassed to ask when I, before I bought my first place, I didn't want to ask anyone like, what's a mortgage? How does it work? I was too embarrassed because I was in the financial services world, not, not in real estate, but I was like, I should know this and I don't, and I feel silly asking. Um, and, and now you can just Google everything obviously and learn yeah. about it, but not everybody does that. And sometimes people just, they, their, their blinders are on, no one's taught, educated them. So I'm curious on, um, the, you know, Hey, moving from renting to home ownership, doing those kind of seminars, you know, bringing in, you know, inviting people in those communities that are really underserved, um, and teaching people about the pathway to home ownership. Was that something that, that, that you've uh, been involved with, or do you have any suggestions about how someone may consider doing that i i have been in the past and there's one really one thing to make clear right now as of last year 7.9 million latinos were home ownership ready financially so the reality but again and they they will come to those things because like like in here like we have there's so many first-time buyers assistance programs available because there are so many of them and when they go through that program you know from a to c they'll get explained the process but again they won't really when you approach them the first time it's like get rid of the idea that i'm gonna get 10 leads and i'm gonna close in six months i'm gonna close these 10 people no no because the same process, you're starting the, you just got a heads up, a head start, but you're gonna start that process of developing that relationship. And you can explain the process from A to C, but if you did not build that trust, they're going to go find someone that they will trust. Yeah, that just makes makes perfect, perfect sense. And um, I, you know, th- this idea of, of earning trust is the way the way that i i think uh is is of course by being of service and the um I, i've always thought felt that the hispanic community because they put so much emphasis on family and there's so and again they they are historically have not been treated well by uh by people who who you know especially first generation um have a have a you know language barrier obviously mm-hmm. cultural barrier and just being seen as maybe even a threat to our country some people see hispanic people as a threat which is which is unfortunate, but it is a reality that Hispanic people still sometimes have to deal with. And so this is really important to understand that history for anyone that really wants to serve that community, because to understand their history means you can empathize or sympathize and really get a better sense of the challenges that community faces so that you can be of a better service, that you can feel for the the struggles that they've, they've had. 
And, and the reality, another thing to, to view is, you know, what I have learned, and I'm sure everybody that's watching right now has learned as well, is, you know, the issue is never the issue. Plain and simple. The issue is never the issue. So if something is happening, if if I get upset, you know, it's not the client, it's me. <laughs> so I better go and find out what got triggered in me. So don't personalize, just professionalize and keep it up. You know, you you were reminding me. I'm going a little bit off off of uh, off script for a moment. Not that we're on a script, but just off off the conversation. You just reminded me of a very smart thing that uh, I've heard is spoken about in the twelve step rooms, which is um, so. If anyone's familiar with with twelve step programs, one of the one of the lessons that is learned in that room was people get sober or they stop doing these problematic behaviors and find a supportive community to help them through whatever. Uh, addictions they might have is they learn that when something is activated within me, it's not the event that's active. It's something like you just said, that's within me that's being uh, triggered, being adjusted. And it doesn't mean that whatever's happening externally doesn't matter. No, it does matter. But it's important to know that I am reacting a certain way and I can learn uh, emotional regulation. I can learn how to how to control my response so that I can be more supportive while this chaos is happening to my client as opposed because the client's going to be in chaos the client is going especially when something goes wrong you know this yeah. of course our listeners know this something always goes wrong with every transaction there's always a bump in the road and during that bump the client is probably freaking out because that's what happens it's a large financial mm-hmm. purchaser sale and and you can be the adult in the room and say look i know this feels a certain way i know what this is i know how to handle this i am here to, to to make sure you feel okay and and being that guide through the emotional ups and downs. That is correct. Plus, at the same time, if every time you meet with that client, especially if they're buying, if every time, if you're building that relationship, if you are talking, I like to tell them, like, like I always, like I mentioned at the beginning, the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, and third-party stories. Just tell them stories. Listen, this... This may happen because I tell them, please throw up on me. I don't want you to go to bed with questions because by the time you wake up, it's going to be a nightmare. Yes. Please, 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 please. I want to know. You have any questions? Tell me. I want to know what's going on in your mind. And if I don't know the answer, which by now I just laugh and I said, I doubt that I won't. But if I don't, I will find out. I will find out. If something go wrong, and I tell him, if there's something that you think may go wrong, if there's something that you're not telling me, so listen, this is a divorce course. It's going to court. It's going to come out. <laughs> it's right. going to come out. So just tell me so we we can deal with it. We can find the solution because everything has a solution. So let's just yeah. talk about it and get to the bottom of it. And I, I think, you know, it reminded me of, of uh, when I, I bought uh, my condo, um, not my first purchase, by the way, a couple of years ago. And I've, by the way, I've been, I'm not a practicing realtor, but I am in with realtors every day, all day. Uh, it's all, this is my job. And I talk to realtors. I, I teach realtors even uh, how to cl- close business. And yet the day, the night before I was closing on my condo, 
all of a sudden, I had one of those freakouts where uh, I was actually ice skating with my girlfriend and I couldn't even hardly get on the ice. I go, I, I think I've ruined my life. I think this is a terrible decision. I don't know what I'm doing. By the way, I'm in the industry. I have a license and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I I, I, I can't get out of this. I, I think I just ruined my entire life. Anyway, um, it, everything turned out fine. But the point is, is I suffered silently. I really, I mean, I told my girlfriend, but she didn't really know what to do other than say, it's going to be okay. But what I really needed at that moment was another, was another professional. I needed to share that with another yeah. professional and they needed to say, everybody feels like that. Don't worry. It's totally normal. You're going to be okay. I'm taking care of this. And, and so it's a good reminder that even people who you think, oh, they seem fine. You need to check in with them and allow them, like you said, please throw up on me because if you're just throwing up, like I was freaking out and I'm like, wait a minute, if I'm freaking out, it must be a real thing because I'm in the industry. Well, no, it wasn't. It was all in my head, but I didn't have anyone there to throw up on. And so as a result, I suffered and it turned out okay, of course, but you're so absolutely right. And we forget this as realtors sometimes because we always think it's going to work out. We'll figure this out. The person might not always feel the same way. Well, no. Plus, we need to find out where are they coming from? Yeah. Where are they? And if we know them well enough, we know whether this is the first transaction. We know whether they went to a foreclosure in the past. Right. You know, they lost their home or, you know, they got denied or they got taken by, by another agent, which unfortunately it's happened. Yep. Uh, so the more we know when they say this, or, or even before they say it, because if we know enough, we can walk a step ahead and say, listen, this is the way you may be feeling now. And I usually tell them, especially to the buyers after they sign the contract, it's like, listen, after we sign this, this is the process, but this is the process that we have in writing. These are the steps that are going to happen. Doesn't matter what, but now, Let's talk about the process that you are going to go through emotionally because this I, is what's going on. That is a brilliant way of saying it and also uh, really, really calming because it, it, what you're doing is, of course, is, is you're basically validating someone's feelings. And uh, instead of just like, oh, it's going to work out. Don't worry. I got yeah. it. It's like, I, I understand how you're feeling. A lot of people feel this way. You know, I'm here to, to guide you through. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I've got you and, and being able to empathize with them and say, that must be a hard feeling. I get it. I, I, I hear you. I'm here to help, help you through it is, is really what, and most people aren't willing to share that without you asking because it's embarrassing. Yeah. It can be, it can be embarrassing to somebody. It could be just painful to talk about. I mean, no one wants to talk about fear, but it's there. And so what I loved about what you said is you asked, how are you feeling about this? And, and, and if they were like, oh my God, I'm totally freaking out. I don't think you'd be like, well, you shouldn't freak out. You should be like, no, no, I, I get it. Don't worry. I'm here with you. I'm not, I'm going to be the rock that you can hold on to as you freak out and we're going to get you through. That's it. Just walk a step ahead of them. And just that, that, and know it. You need to know what's going on and tell them this is, this is okay. It is okay. Or if they put a little bit of distance because people do, that tells you there's something. Mm -hmm. There is something is going on that they're scared to share. And at that point, just see, just evaluate the, the relationship. They, 
agent-client relationship from A to C, evaluate all those conversations because people always tell us how they feel. Yeah. They always do. So, and if you know enough, you know, and you will not be able to take offense, if even right. if they scream at you or whatever, because you know what's going on. Yeah. And it's not you. It, it's just fear. Oh. I was yelling at my girlfriend the night before. She had nothing to do with the transaction. Yeah. She just was in the room. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm yelling. I mean, I'm not really, I'm not blaming her, but I'm yelling. Oh my God, I freaked out. And, and uh, she was just like, it's going to be okay. And I was like, you don't know. You're not in the business. I'm in the business. I'm freaking out. Right. So, so it happens. And, and you're right. Being there to, to really be there during those emotional moments uh, and making sure the person feels comfortable to share those emotional moments. Um, boy, boy, you are, you know, they're going to tell everybody about you if, if you help them during those, during those tough emotional moments and that they feel comfortable enough to share, they're going to tell everybody, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, my realtor yeah. is the greatest. Yeah. Plus remind them early on that the reality is when you're going to do something new, everybody's an expert around them. Because I tell them, now you're going to go, you're going to tell someone that you're going to buy a house. Everybody's going to be an expert. And I said, and people are well-intentioned. People are come yes. from a good heart. But the reality, and I tell them, like, for example, and I use the pimple story. For example, if you get a pimple, you know, everybody's telling you how to get rid of it. Everybody is. Right. Well, the one you have to go to is a dermatologist. Right. <laughs> go to the expert. You know, because you can end up burning your face. So it's okay. But if someone tells you something that puts you at unease and makes you scared, tell me, tell me, and I can explain what's going on. Yeah. Or just correct the information. Sometimes it's yeah. just like you said, sometimes just bad information, you know, putting toothpaste on the pimple, maybe that. Maybe that really hurts the skin, uh, even though it sounds like a cool little uh, hack to to fix it. Maybe that actually would make things worse. I I had a similar experience at a dermatologist a few many years ago where I was reading online. People were saying, "Oh, you should wash your hair less. It's actually bad for the scalp to wash your hair every day." And I was like, "Okay." I read enough articles that said it. I just assumed it was true. I went in to go see a, my dermatologist who had been practicing for like forty years, and I go, "It's okay if I don't wash my hair every day, right?" And he goes. No, you're, you you should wash your hair every day. And I go, no, no, I'm reading this stuff. He goes, that's wrong. Don't. No, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. Maybe it's different for women and for men. I, I'm not here to tell you what to do, anybody what to do. But he was like, no, well, I have, I have a skin condition. So for my particular skin condition, so maybe I don't know what the average person should do. But he said, with your skin condition, you need to wash every single day. He goes, it's actually going to make it worse if you only uh, wash your hair like two or three times a week. It's actually bad for you. And I was like, oh, he goes, yeah, don't read. If you're going to read stuff online, run it by me. I'll tell you the truth. And I was like, oh yeah, of course. So you're absolutely right. Um, you know, that making somebody, cause who knows what people read online, they can be persuaded. They can read things that, that, you know, aren't in their best interest. Um, and they don't know it. And so that's why you as a professional are so important. So Marisol, I, I think this is a great perfect place to wrap up. I do want to mention for everyone listening that Marisol works in Florida and guess where a lot of people retire to? Florida. We all know that. So, so at least everyone from Illinois goes down there. Yeah. I know my parents <laughs> yes. are, are down there as well. Um, so if anyone out there has clients moving to Florida, whether they're, you know, maybe a second home, maybe retirement, um, you know, maybe they're moving to the villages or one of those kind of places, wherever, um, 
that, you know, if especially if they're in Central Florida, reach out to Marisol. She would love the opportunity to connect with other realtors. And by the way, she has clients that move other places too. So maybe yes. you can work out a nice little referral network. And by the way, too, uh, you know, and I don't know, Marisol, if you're looking to expand your group, your team, but of course, if you are, people can reach out to you if they think they'd be a good fit uh, on your team. But if you have clients, uh, if anyone has clients that are moving to Central Florida, have them reach out to Marisol because obviously she is one of the top agents in that area. Um, so, and I want everybody to follow Marisol. Um, first, go to her website, which is G12 Professional Group. Dot com link to that in the show notes and follow her on Instagram uh, M Jacino uh, one at uh, on Instagram so M Jacino one link to that as well in the show notes uh, Marisol it was such a pleasure to have you on the show thank you so much um, this is actually we had a, a technical issue the first time we record we were trying to record so Marisol was nice enough to reschedule come back and do it all over again so we are so grateful to you. Um, and we, on behalf of our audience, we want to thank you for coming in and spending an hour with us. And then also uh, on behalf of Marisol and myself, we want to thank the audience for continuing to listen and support our show. Please tell a friend. That's all that we really ever ask of you. Tell one other realtor about the show. Let them know, um, especially somebody that maybe wants to break into the Hispanic market or learn how to serve that community even more effectively. Send them a link to this episode. You can send them to our website, keepingitrealpod.com every episode. We ever done, you can stream it right from that website or pull up a podcast app, tell your friend, pull up their podcast app, search for Keeping It Real and hit that subscribe uh, button. We would appreciate it. Marisol, thank you so much. I will see, uh, we will see everyone on the next episode. And uh, yeah, I have a, well, this is uh, Memorial Day weekend. By the time this is released, it'll be past that. But I hope everyone had a wonderful Memorial Day. And for everyone watching us live, have a happy uh, holiday. So Marisol, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was a true pleasure. Take care.